the, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about journeys to Neverland, trips through a tornado, and... Um, a snow lady whose gloves are now off, so we know it means serious business. I'm Beth Alderkin, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? I I had an answer for this, but now I'm just thinking about like Zelina, Pan, and Elsa getting in like fisticuffs, like a full out bar, bar brawl. Oh, oh, see, that would that would be fun. I mean, no, they they have to save that for the Hades. <laughs> underworld storyline when everyone comes back together oh beautiful beautiful i am doing well i'm excited to talk about season three because of all of the things that happen so many things happen yes we are here to talk about season three or should we say season three a and season three b because this was the first season where they split it up into two storylines, the first half being in Neverland, focusing on Rumpel's father, who was Peter Pan, and the second half, which was journeying very briefly to Oz, uh, because it was centered around Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, who was Regina's sister. So we've got the villains having huge ties to the main plot points of both halves of the season. So I guess the first thing we can talk about is which half did we like more? I, you know, it's just a smash cut of like us dunking on like Peter Pan storyline for a while, but it, it, I feel like it's three a, the, the beginning part, it just had more to it. I know it, it, it is not without its faults. Uh, but I, I the Zelina, they, they, I feel like they slapdashed it too much. So much was like ham fisted. And then, inexplicably stuff was just like washed over like they couldn't just find a cool equilibrium on that so i probably the first half i think is the stronger half you know i'm i'm going to agree with that and i I really agree with your point about how the second half feels a little bit rushed um uh, it actually i was kind of doing a little bit of reading into like the background of when they greenlit season three um it was greenlit shortly after uh, the Oz, the Great and Powerful movie came out, which was a bizarrely successful film. I remember seeing it in theaters and I highly regret it um, because it was essentially... 
That's the a, James Franco Mia. Uh, yeah, they they turned Wizard of Oz into a harem storyline. Like it's it it does not hold up, even though it has some of the like greatest female actors. It has Rachel Weiss, Michelle Williams, Mila Kunis, three amazing actresses, and they're all just at the beck and call of freaking James Franco, who is a complete pariah in Hollywood for, you know, accusations of sexual misconduct. (laughs) So that is our foundation for the second half of season three. A a strong start, a strong start. I also saw that movie in theaters. I, for some reason, thought it didn't do as well as it did. Uh, Interesting that it did well. Not interesting, surprising. My memory serves me differently. I remember being very disappointed leaving that movie. It's a bad movie. Yeah. So I agree that storyline-wise, and and I think that the Peter Pan storyline is better, and I think that's the one that the showrunners cared more about telling because it had more depth to it and it had more layers to it. The problem that they faced was they did the show equivalent of splitting the party, which you don't do. You took the Storybrooke people out of Storybrooke. And they did it for so long, for, for, for such a long time, that our our town, the town we know and love, the, the side characters who pop in and out seemingly at random that we know and love, were not part of it. And so what do we do with that? You know, it gives it, and, and they didn't really replace it with in-depth, good exploration of the characters, which it would have needed. Like, what we got instead was Emma having magic. Don't even get me started on the Emma magic stuff. I will go on forever. And and Charming continually lying to his wife and it being okay in the end. <laughs> That's what we got. Yeah, I... So a lot of the problem, and yeah, you're right, because taking us out of Storybook for the first half was a real real kick in the shins like they were already like season two was already pretty rocky trying to like upstart after like a really solid first season and so their plan was to get them completely out of storybrooke but i think that we wouldn't have noticed as much if they would have expanded on characters in a different way than they did i felt like charming's lying to his wife aside they were leaning on stuff we already knew for a long time and if you're not gonna build on that other than surprised his dad because both halves a and b drug out the surprise guess who it is and the surprise guess who it is is family member for both surprises so I, I think that did a disservice to the Zelina storyline because we've already seen the secret family member reveal. You got it once a season. You got once a season for secret family reveals. And when the first one is a lot stronger and a lot cooler because, you know, introduce Peter Pan. I know who that is. It's my dad, <laughs> the 12-year-old. He's actually an old, terrible father who drinks too much. Cool. Interesting twist to surprise this new character who may or may not be the Wicked Witch, but we've named her something different and it's kind of different than the thing that you know. Also, it's Regina's sister. doesn't hit the same. And they drug him out the same. I feel like if... 
and this is going to be maybe a controversial opinion, but I feel like if they had found a way to combine the storyline, the, the strengths of both halves, both season halves and combine it into one, I think we could have ended up with something very good where maybe you have it instead of it, Zelina hiding amongst them in Storybrooke trying to enact her evil plans. It's Peter Pan and he's yeah. pretending to be a boy and he becomes best friends with, with Henry and and he spends time like maybe the first half of the season is the 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 enemy amongst us and you're know, like there's there's things that are happening a shadow is showing up what's happening what's going on people don't trust each other no one questions the the 12 year old boy because he's just a boy and then when his back's against the wall he reveals who he is i'm peter pan takes henry away to neverland and then we have to go do the rescue to get him back I agree. I again they were they were kind of dealing with what they I love my favorite thing that these guys do is that they don't have foresight into what they're going to do, so they end seasons with crazy dramatic cliffhangers and then just solve them later. So it was, okay, well we're going to have Henry uh get uh spirited away into a portal to God knows where with these two randos. <laughs> Uh, who who could be from anywhere? We still don't really know. There's a home office, so it makes it sound very James Bondy. Uh, and then it's just like, okay, well, we have to start in Neverland, and I think that still would have been okay. But we shouldn't have been all in. All the chips should not have been in Neverland. Mm-hmm. We needed some people to be back at Storybrooke because we needed something to ground us to the thing that we know. And I think story wise, it's very important, especially when the other set pieces endless unexplainable jungle you like as a watch as a person watching it i never really felt like i knew where we were and it wasn't in like a cool like the viewer is also disoriented well i don't want to be disoriented every single week you know what i mean like i I would like let's touch back go to storybrook watch bell put some library books together i guess (laughs) and then back to the jungle it looked like a sound stage with a bunch of potted plants, and then they moved the plants around a little bit each time so that it looked different enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it the same sound sound stage and the same goddamn plants. Yeah. But again, and this is why I think it would have been cool to take them to Storybrooke after that, where it's like, okay, we've burnt out this whole Neverland thing because it's just a jungle and the kids are doing this whole like um I about said Paradise Lost. It's not that. Uh what am I thinking about? on the island with all the kids and there's a there's a conch shell oh my gosh what am i thinking about what book is that oh lord of the flies thank you my whole brain today okay so this could be a good time (laughs) guys uh but like then go back home and you're right have infiltrated lost boys because there's just randos around town that they don't really recognize or know so it it wouldn't have caught them off guard. We would have been back home. And it's always cool when something threatens Storybrooke. Mm-hmm. Because Storybrooke was like... Like, that's why it was weird when August rolled in. A stranger rolls into Storybrooke. It's all very, like, small-town America. One new person shows up. It's in the papers. You know, like when Emma showed up. <laughs> new person <laughs> arrives. It's the front page because nothing else is happening. Uh, so yeah, just a bunch of the, the Lost Boys causing trouble in Storybrooke. I'd have loved that. That'd have been amazing. Yeah, I think it, that, and that would have been, and then we could have built up to Neverland. Maybe spent a little bit less time there, 
but we wouldn't have needed as much time there because we would have gotten to know Peter Pan and his relationship with Henry over the course of several episodes in Storybrooke. Mm -hmm. You also could have tied it in with like Robin Hood and the Merry Men, maybe the Lost Boys, like maybe Robin Hood and the Merry Men are like suspicious of them because they seem to know their way around the woods and have survival instincts. Like what kind of young boys would, you know, have this these kind of these kind of instincts and maybe some, you know, for like ferocity that they didn't expect. Like these kids are kind of, I don't know, they're a little hardcore, even for us Merry Men. Well, that would have been interesting, too, because you would have been able to play. They kind of did this with Emma, but I think it would have been cooler to do more. <laughs> like, they were just, like, making up storylines we would have preferred. But, like, the for, like, Robin to be out in the woods and just finding out there's, like, this little, like, uh, just, like, colony of boys living in the woods. And it's, like, they don't have parents and they, they can play this, like, sad orphaned boy routine and give Emma her hero thing that she wants to do. Where she's, like, I these kids need a home. Let's, like. Let's do so. So she starts trying to make it a home, make Storybrooke, you know, someplace hospitable for them, give them a roof and food and things like that, which would then make the second part of the season where she just wants to leave because she was tricked again. Mm -hmm. Because again, we we kept speculating about like reasons why Emma wouldn't want to be there other than just running, wanting to run away. I think her not having a solid footing on the world around her because she's a control freak would have been a very good answer. Mm -hmm. I don't like knowing that if someone walks up to me and introduces themselves, they might be literally anyone from fiction that I know. <laughs> and not only that, they might be anyone but a million years old and eternal, eternal force of evil named Peter Pan in the guise of a 12 year old boy. I just got duped. And just when you think you're like, oh, it's fairy tales. And then suddenly it was like, oh, no, it's also uh, real world movies that, you know, like that. That's the kind of juxtaposition of just like rocking Emma's world of she just can't be sure of anything anymore. Uh, but again, yeah, I think maybe that's also why the second half of the season fell flat a little bit is because you have so much more of a raw history and a lot more different things to explore with Peter Pan. That when you tie it to him being Rumpel's father, as opposed to this is the evil queen's little or older sister who's jilted. And the only thing we're working off of is that she's green and evil. And they just made it about Rumpel in a really weird way. It was so uncomfortable and it added this layer it didn't need. It, it felt almost incestuous at times because, you know, Regina, yeah, she had her father in her life, but Rumpel was kind of like a surrogate father. He was her father in magic. He was training her. And they didn't really have that kind of tension. So to introduce this sister character who not only had that tension, but actively craved it and sought validation in it just gives it this whole weird, icky vibe and Surprise, no surprise that it came after the the Oz movie. Because, you know, that one was about all the all the women witches wanting the dude who's who's not very interesting. It the, so I was I did a little bit. I, I was digging around on the Internet for just, you know, recaps or things like that just to kind of get a feel for things. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But it was interesting to get the realization that this was 2014. 
So like with us powering through the seasons, I, I think it's easy for us to keep forgetting that it's not 2008 Mm -hmm. or 2010. Like it's, it's going faster because we're burning through the seasons faster than they were produced. So we're doing time jumps and it's weird that 2014 is within the last 10 years and how weird and backwards it was. Uh, because 2000, God, 2014 sounds like it was like knowing the movies that came out and all of the other random stuff. It just feels like a completely, and with a pandemic currently happening, it just feels like a lifetime ago. feels like a whole different like reality that we lived. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and move into characters. Yes. Um, so, I mean... This is, I know this is a very hard question. I'm not going to ask, like, who's your favorite character of the season? Because that's just impossible. So I'm just going to say, what character to you, like, what's a character you want to talk about for being someone you really liked this season, you liked their story, or someone you really didn't? Like, that's, that's how I want to talk about it. I'll go with this just because of, and I, I've admitted this before, but, like, Neil surprised me. Like I was never like a huge Neil fan. Uh, rewatching it, I get it. Uh, I liked it. I liked the storyline. I'm now very upset about how he how he died, uh, and all of that other stuff. But it was just like before I didn't quite get it. Like it didn't sink in. I appreciate it now more. So I'll go with that. He surprised me. Uh, he snuck up on me. I'll put it that way. I, you know, I and that warms my heart because I've been Neil Camp. Camp Neil. Although I will say the one that surprised me was Hook because I really was a Neil fan. So when the Hook Emma ships kind of started taking over, I wasn't very happy about it because I liked Neil. And so I felt it was a little bit, you know, it betrayed my ship that I liked. And mm-hmm. that that is cause for rioting in the streets. But having watched the season now, you know, like season two, I love Hook. Hook's great. And then season three, he starts getting more depth. He starts becoming, you know, more nuanced and layered, shows these this these moments of empathy and kindness and his code of honor. And he really grows to care for Emma. And part of it, I do feel, was writer's convenience. I think some of the moments were, weren't entirely earned, but some were. And, you know, when they kissed very earnestly and very passionately outside Granny's Diner in the big storybook sign at the end of season three. I felt it. And I was like, yeah. you know what? I This makes sense. This is, this isn't, doesn't feel forced to me. I understand it and I'm happy for them. But of course the show probably isn't because they're going to get into a lot of drama before eventually getting something resembling happiness. Like Hook getting a murder hand. <laughs> A murder hand, the dark one storyline, all kinds of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do appreciate that this season, uh, uh, I want to play like the Miley Cyrus best of both worlds situation where it's just like, <laughs> I see your side, I you see my side, it's all going to be fine. This is going much better than uh, just a quick plug for our Patreon for this, this month of Beth and Abby arguing yes, <laughs> about the validity of several <laughs> Disney things. Um, so, yeah, Neil, Hook wonderful i will say i was also turned around on peter pan yes um i more of it sank in this time i appreciated the actor and how he played in a lot of the like micro expressions and the way that he played the character um i appreciated that a lot more 
this yeah i i feel kind of bad for for the actor because there's so much hatred among the fandom for the peter pan storyline except amongst a core group of of hardcore you know neverlanders and and i get it i get why people are upset about it and i get why people just don't want to experience it again but the actor was legit good and he turned in a very interesting performance and i'd argue probably one of the more interesting non-main villain performances that we got on the series like zelina i love zelina don't get me wrong i love zelina but she's hammy as hell <laughs> like she is full ham that's her that's her thing and i respect it it wasn't it's not on the level that we got with peter pan and then, like, freaking, like, Maleficent and Cruella. Cruella's great. I love her. Don't get me wrong. And, like, Ursula in the next half of season four. Like, they're fun. They're great. Snow Queen. You know, the Snow Queen lady. She's great. They're great. But it's, we get more ham as we go on. And this, I think, was kind of a special little egg of something a bit more in-depth that I liked. I I think we talked about this in the last last episode a little bit but i do truly appreciate a villain that's just a villain and letting a villain be a dude that sucks Mm -hmm. because peter pan is a dude that sucks like he's like a you're like a deadbeat dad with magical powers the worst (laughs) like the worst combination like what what would just make you just all of your skin crawl off well if some drunk deadbeat who could barely take care of a kid selfishly decided to go back to be 17 again it's like uh, the zach efron movie 17 again where you go back but instead he doesn't learn to love his children and embrace the life that he led he went no i'm doing great this is actually exactly what i'm supposed to be doing and learned no lesson uh because that's what we get redemption arcs with everybody else for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, and that's why I think also Zelina just didn't hold up. Well, I think if they would have flipped the season somehow, and again, they jumped off a pier into a portal into the water. I don't know how they would have been able to do that. Uh, but to start with Zelina and then end with Pan might've been a, a different story. Yeah. They could have just gone through the little portal and then come right back out the other side. Oops. Dodge that bullet. <laughs> It it just opens up like a portal in the game where they accidentally put it on the wrong side and they're just rocketing through the air. Uh, or, 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 wait, wait. They go through the portal, but then they go through a cyclone. They <laughs> <laughs> go through a cyclone. Abby, yeah. I know you're you're not going to want me to say this. Oh, no. We got to talk about the Charmings. Oh, the Charmings. They've really been through, like, a whole bunch without being through much this season. Yeah. So it's, it's inter- I don't know how they did it, uh, but, and I'll just start with this. Uh, the entire time they're doing this, the entire time Charming's being the world's worst husband, his hair looks amazing. I don't know what's going on with Charming this season. He looked, Josh Dallas looks amazing in the season. Oh, my God. Yeah, his hair never looked better. He had, he had that, like... Uh, what's the movie? Uh, Into the Woods, I think, is when Chris Pine plays the really like schmarmy mm-hmm. Prince guy. He had that vibe to it, and I was, I was vibing with it. I was like, "This is pro- this isn't right." Like, I, this isn't okay. Stop it! Like, what's wrong with me? Well, and in those rare episodes where that was kind of Charming's mo, mm-hmm. like he was like himbo supportive husband Charming, he was great. 
And and in the episodes where Snow was headstrong, confident, working hard, and 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 th- those were great. And, and and trying to connect with her daughter, I loved all that. But there was so much of the charmings where you could just tell the writers had no idea what to do with them, and it showed. So they just create all this really unnecessary but still harmful drama where Charming is repeatedly lying to Snow. Snow was repeatedly ignoring a bunch of red flags. And they just kind of are okay with it in the end. Like, he does apologize, but in the end it still felt insufficient to me. Oh, yeah, no, it's a super, super icky thing, which is also... Which also somehow is overriding Snow fully murdering a person. Uh, So it's weird because all this stuff just gets glossed over. And you're right. The writers don't know what to do with them because I think they don't understand the dynamic that they're supposed to have. Because Charming is a capable person. Like he's a capable man who is doing his best at what he was dealt uh, but he's just, he's meant to be smart and charming. he He's not supposed to be like a toxic masculinity pillar to wanting to lie to protect his wife or to do weird things in order to keep himself square and prideful. He's supposed to have, as I've learned from the children on TikTok, he, I believe he was to be coded as a himbo with bi wife energy. <laughs> like he was supposed to, he was supposed to just be that kind of guy, and the writers were not prepared to deal with that. Yeah, at all. Uh, and so the the drama that they wrote, they wrote drama for like a dude named Kyle, and tried to give it to Charming, and it didn't work. Yeah, and then in the second half, they just, you know, it's all about the pregnancy storyline and literally everything they're doing is about that. And on one hand, I get it because Jennifer Goodwin was really pregnant, so she did have to take a back seat a lot of the time, which as two people who've been pregnant, we get it. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to sit down, man. Yeah. So it's just, we're going to sit down. I will have adventures later. <laughs> yeah, but in the in the end, like, I, I don't, I don't anticipate... A lot in terms of the Charmings in the near future. At least not until 2x4 Charming on the back of a pickup truck. That's when we start getting a little bit more Charming. But it's not good Charming. We're getting, we're, we're backtracking. We're backsliding to to the uh, to the, the toxic masculinity Charming. Like literally like teaming up with evil King Arthur. Ugh. Because he wants to be a dude. He wants to be mm-hmm. a knight. And it's just like, no, you're, you're. You're not, that's not where you would go. I don't think that's where your head should be. Uh, Interestingly enough, like I said, I was doing some research. I did a kind of a a deep dive on Reddit because again, we've reached 2014 in which Reddit existed enough for there to be uh, like the once upon a timing subreddit existed and people were having live discussions after the episodes. Uh, It was interesting to see the way people discuss season three as it was happening versus how people look at it now. Mm. Um, and I'd like to hear your take on this. There, There is a small... I won't say this is the majority because I've not done that population sample. Uh, but I did see reoccurring a few times that people referred to season three as when Once Upon a Timing diverged. It was... There's 3A, which was original Once Upon a Timing. And then after that, 3B and on, it was camp. 
It was like the show goes up to and they split it, not at Frozen. They split it between Pan and Zelina. I would agree with that. I don't think it's full on. I think they were testing the waters. But I do think that uh, the Oz storyline, the Zelina storyline is their first attempt to be a bit more almost like like Broadway instead of West End. Like they're trying to, you know, create something that's fam- more family friendly, more accessible, more use of popular culture. Um, you know, without giving spoilers, I, I forgot we were doing a season three recap and I watched the uh, season four episode today. I'm not going to say anything except that it, the way that they treat the Frozen storyline, if they'd done that with previous fairy tales, we would be talking about a completely different show. We wouldn't be talking. It wouldn't have made it off the ground. No, because like... The Frozen stuff is just full imitation camp. Like, they're just trying to recreate the characters as opposed to, like, making original people. So, like, there, I do feel like in the second half of season three, we get a little bit of that because Zelina character, while she's awesome and camp and lovely and amazing and I would die for her, she wouldn't exist in previous versions of Once Upon a Time. No. But she, I think she, I think she was laying the groundwork for how the show shifted, and it did shift, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, like I, I have not watched the first episode, but I stand firmly with the observation I made last week of this was them shifting away from Grimm's fairy tale to your kids should probably start watching this show with you. It would probably behoove everybody if everybody was watching. They were just trying to widen their net, which I think was a mistake. I do appreciate when shows just like double down on their aesthetic and their storyline telling where they're just like, we're going to get so niche and so crazy that only the fans will stick around. No one could pop into the middle of this show at all for any reason. And the show goes on for 10 seasons. Yeah, so... Do you remember the show Terra Nova? I, I, the name does sound familiar. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I feel like I watched some of it with my husband. Yeah, so this was a show on Fox. And it only had, like, one season. And uh, this back in the old M days of shark jumping, uh, Tim and I were going to do a review of this show because it had a very fascinating history. In that... The show was originally like, if you watch the first episode compared to the last one, it feels like two completely different shows. Because the first mm-hmm. episode is very dark. It like, it's, it's like their, their planet, our, our planet is dying. People are having to wear breathing masks when they leave the house because of climate change. Climate change has destroyed the planet. So their only solution is to send people back to prehistoric age to colonize. That's the premise. It's, it's, it's very stupid. But it felt very serious. And there were like, clashes between political faction and the military faction and all this stuff and then partway through the season because they realized no one was watching it just changed to be like family friendly dinosaur camp where it felt like it went from like pg-13 to like borderline g and it's kind of astonishing to watch the 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 two versions of the show clash with each other and i kind of feel like that's what we end up getting here where 
we start out with something more serious and then we get into something that's a little bit goofy. And then by the end, we've got Hades with blue CGI hair. Yeah, it does get uh, sapia uh, filters aside. It does get a lot brighter. Mm-hmm. Everything gets a lot brighter. And so like even the black I, and I'll, I'm going to have to keep track of this, but I just know that even when they do the villains who were like wearing all black and dark purples and stuff, it's a very bright black, which is an insane like it's a glittery black like it's never like in the darkness and eyeballs and i i feel like there was like a season six halloween episode where it was just kids trick-or-treating during the day maybe i'm thinking about season seven i don't remember uh so yeah it the show takes a hard turn after this like it takes it like a gentle turn like it's like season three, like three B. They're like, we're gonna turn a little bit and see if the car fish tails. No, go, 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 go. <laughs> so, is there any particular episode or like specific storyline in? I'm gonna divide this in half. In the first half of season three, like, is there a particular episode or uh, if if you don't remember the specific episode, like an element from it that was one of the standouts for you from that part of the season? I don't know why, but the first thing that came to my mind was, like, Hook Hook and his brother storyline, just because I love, like, sober, uh, forgotten country Hook. Like, I <laughs> love this. Like, I love, and his, like, terrible, like, ponytail wig thing that he was wearing. Oh, my God. Uh, I like that storyline because Hook has one of those character lines where you get to show something like that. Uh, where you're like, oh, he used to be this, but then great tragedy befell him. And now he's like this weird drunk Jack Sparrow pirate guy uh, who's in love with the main character. So I just I remember really liking that. I don't like that it was because it needed to feed the charming being the world's worst husband storyline. So I won't say like the whole episode was great, but I did like that story because it added another bit of drama or trauma is probably a better word to hook other than just fell in love with pretty girl now want to kill shiny glitter lizard man. <laughs> um, so I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a combo um, because I really like the the flashback for Rumpel's dad and how he became Peter Pan. Even though one, I think we could have gotten more of it. And two, it featured um, a performance as the shadow that I don't want to acknowledge that person being on the show. So we're just not going to go into it. Perfect. And then combined with aspects of Peter Pan also being the Pied Piper, which I thought was great. Did I want to see a bunch of prepubescent boys frolicking around a fire in masks and furs? No, but I still like no. the idea of, I like the aspect of it. I liked him being the Pied Piper. I just didn't like what it resulted in. You liked the overall story execution, not as much. Exactly. I, mm -hmm. I respect that. I respect that. And I do like that because I like that that gives another layer to Rumpel's storyline. Plus, it just makes me laugh because I will never stop thinking about you and I just being like, do they ever cover Rumpel's dad? No, I can't believe they dropped the ball like this. Oh, my it's God. It's literally we'll season three. I will never let us live it down because it is my favorite. We were both like hysterical cry tearing. Like just just the realization how <laughs> I don't think they cover that. Absolutely not. What a bunch of what a bunch of ding dogs. Can't believe they let this storyline <laughs> drop. <laughs> a major plot point. Um yes, I agree with you because I like I said, I I think I started coming around on the Peter Pan in real time 
the storyline in real time because of that. Because I was like, I just like that he's a shitty dad. He's a shitty dad stuck in a 17-year-old body, which is, I think, the reality of most shitty dads. They're just, like, overgrown 17-year-olds. They never stopped, like, eight. They, they stopped aging in a Peter Pan kind of way. And I don't think they leaned in enough to that observation. So I think the one I didn't like is Henry's storyline of being the heart of the truest believer and how they resolved it because it turned Henry into a very stupid character that he's not like he, yes, he is trusting. He is naive at times. He believes, he believes in the best in people. That's not what was on display. This was a boy who was just sitting in the woods being bored. And then a a young man would come up to him and be like, Hey, don't be bored. And he's like, all right, I won't be bored. Okay. I'll believe you. And I'll give my heart to you. Like it, 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 it required things of Henry that just didn't serve him or his growth into teenagerdom. Which doesn't even square up in the second half of the season. Like he gets suspicious immediately when they end up in Storybrooke. Mm-hmm. Like he starts putting things together when he doesn't have his memories let alone when he knows that a bunch of weird stuff is probably happening. So that the way he acts in the first half of the season does not square up with how he acts in the second half of the season when a very similar storyline is happening. But again, I feel like the writers didn't know what to do with him. Mm-hmm. They'd made him such a crucial part of the show and then they tried to not let him be a crucial part of the show. But then they didn't know how to just, I, there, there was nothing to do with him. You have to keep him there. But what do you do? You can't just like have him being like Snow White. Because Snow White's pregnant, so she, she's just going to be sitting. She can be sitting in the scene and not saying anything, and it's probably fine. We'll just keep her from doing anything crazy. You can't just have Henry sitting there. Henry is in no way coded to just sit quietly and listen to terrible things happen and not do anything about it. If Henry's present, he's going to be acting. Yes. And so I think that they somewhere between them trying to hide him going through a growth spurt which is a wild thing to do when he's got four more to go through the show itself <laughs> uh but also that he's a, it's, it'd be like trying to sideline emma for some reason yeah exactly and, and they do not do that emma is a key part of the show um for 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 better and sometimes for better and sometimes for worse. I love Jennifer uh, Jennifer Morrison. She's wonderful. Her hair is glorious. I'm gonna say something that might be controversial. I don't like that she has magic. Hmm. I I don't mind that she has magic. I just think that with a person the way that she is would want to control it more and to know more about it. Mm. It would just be like having an innate skill to do something, but not exploring how that could serve you because it's not like she's anti-magic. She just tries to forget that it's a thing that she has unless she needs it. Then she needs to download all the information as fast as possible to, you know, move the moon. Yeah, I mean, uh, what are you talking about? She's had, like, one training with Rumpel. She had that one time with Regina where she pushed her off a ledge and she she did magic. That's all the, that's all the practice you need. 
got more of a training montage with Grogu. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I... I wish that they would have explored her magic more if they were going to give it to her, especially when it's the light of the savior. It's the product of true love. It is the the lightest of magic. Uh, she, because then she's like all sad that she doesn't have it at one point. She's like, oh, I can't do anything because I don't have my magic. And it's like, that would not even be kind of a thought that you had. Like yeah, she, people she have would- to keep reminding you about it. Yeah, and and she's she's resourceful. Like if 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 an obstacle comes up, she's going to find another way to work around it. I just I feel like once Emma has magic, that's what she does, and we lose out a big portion of her character's resourcefulness and tenacity. Like right now, she just points a gun or sh- or has white glowy out of her hands. It's literally how she responds to every situation. But that's not the Emma that we know. The Emma that we know is, is more clever than that, is more resourceful than that. And it's more interesting than that. I find when you add, when you give magic to a character, oftentimes it comes at the expense of their, of their personality. It makes them less interesting because they have this makes it easy solution to all their problems. Well, they never explain it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, they never explain what it is, and therefore she's able to do anything with it. And I think that might be where your biggest problem is, because mm. for whatever reason, I was sitting there trying to think about, um, like, as you were talking about it, that came, that spotted my brain. But I thought, if, if it had a utility, like a single thing, because a lot of the times, like, oh, I have magic, but this is the limitation that I have. Because it doesn't sound like she has that limitation. It sounds like she's, like, the most powerful sorceress that's ever lived if she would just focus her energy on it. Like, she could be more powerful than Zelina and Regina and Rumple if she just, I don't know, applied herself. But if it was a specific kind of magic, and forgive me here, but if it was, like, a Bella Swan kind of situation, like, her innate vampire power of just being, like, putting up a wall i'd have listened to that you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. what's your magic my magic is protection like if i and she can't control it you know what i mean like she Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the ability to control it so it's just like if she wants to control henry like a very harry potter thing of just like someone tries to kill your son and you go no and a big like shield comes out it doesn't do anything else it doesn't lightning strike anybody it doesn't move the moon i'm not gonna stop mentioning the moon it doesn't do anything else it's just a shield and yeah. the shield can go as far or as back as you want it to, but that's all it is. It's a shield. Because she's a protective. She keeps her guards up and her walls up. Perfect magic for her. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. So in the se- second half of season three, is there an episode or a storyline that in particular stood out to you? Something you really liked? Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I came through a cyclone. Uh, <laughs> it's so, so good. It'll never it's die. It's so funny to me. I don't know why. Okay. You know what? I I don't think I have a specific episode that sticks out to me. Like, it's all right now coming back to me as mush. Which I think speaks a lot to the season. Because it's just like, it all, it took too long. And anything I like, I just like Hook kind of trying to come into his own about... Like, being in love with Emma. Because I also... I didn't like how Emma was fighting it. I like the flashbacks with Neil. Yes. I like those. Those were nice. I like the flashbacks with Neil. I'm gonna go with that answer. And I did like... 
I liked Zelina's flashbacks. I liked her origin story. Um, I didn't like how they integrated Rumble into it, which kind of is a key part of it. So what are you going to do? Um, what I really didn't like was twofold. One, the whole Rapunzel thing that they did was just so bad. I, I just, I, I just, why? Because they needed Charming's courage. And the only way to get courage is this is to 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 do a spell to make your evil part of yourself fight you, so then you need all your courage to fight yourself. But then we're gonna make a gold brain. And we're gonna make a gold brain. Gold brain. And yeah. then the other one is that dinner scene between Zelina and Rumple. I hated it. <sighs> I, when I saw it, I hated everything about it, and I I came this close to fast forwarding. I was like, I cannot watch this. You know what? I will say, and I'll, I'll say this with my whole chest here, the most disappointed I am, the most disappointing thing that happened in this entire season was the rumple knife to bell bait and switch. Oh my God. Because not only is it a dick thing to do and to marry her immediately afterwards, it's that it's revealed so quickly afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like we as the audience know the moment it happens. It's just like they give you this beautiful moment and we don't even get time to marinate in it before it's, oh, no, I lied to the woman I love. I'm going to marry her in about 10 minutes and nothing's going to happen about this. Like, she's not going to suspect anything and it's going to be just weird and we're just going to make Belle's character even more just almost dim-witted like there's no way she was like watching rumple just carelessly throw that knife into her purse being like it's probably fine and not realize that it's not really his dagger you know what i would have loved to see is for us to not know like when you have rumple confronting selena in the jail and she's like oh like doesn't regina have your dagger no i gave it to bell oh i guess bell wants me dead then and Rumple not say anything because he doesn't have to. And we get that weird mystery of like, oh, is is Belle getting a little bit hardcore? Like, is she, is her desire to see Zelina dead? Or is Rumple able to overcome the power of the dagger? And we don't find out he swapped it until well into season four. And we can then grapple with the ramifications of that choice along with Belle. Because Belle is going to make a hard decision about Rumple once she finds out what he's done. Why don't we get to make that with her? And and what what's so upsetting, too, is that it happens at such a vulnerable moment of him proposing to her. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's let's get married. Here's a fake thing. It's built on a lie. And... And I, maybe I'll eat my hat on this one, but I don't believe that he ever has to answer for this in a real meaningful way. He doesn't... Like, I know Belle kind of comes and goes, but she always comes back. I mean, I I don't know if you remember what happens. I won't say anything. I do, kind of. Like, I mm-hmm. just know that some... T- I, I know that there are... Not, it's not just like her, like, writing it off, but... I, she, she does come back, be, though. She comes back. Like, that is the kind of egregious thing. Like, it, I don't even know how to equate this. It's like... It, I wouldn't say that it's something as flimsy as being like someone proposes with a diamond ring and they tell you, ha JK, it's a cubic zirconia because that's just shallow. But it's like somebody is trusting you with something 
but not at all. Like they're giving you this symbol, but you're not even, we don't even get like, if it, if it were different, like him actually doing this, but then realizing three days later that he made a mistake and he physically can't take it because he's an addict and he needs to know where it is and how to do it. And he can't let someone else be in control of it and him diving down that hole and it for being this very dark, that's a whole different thing. That's a different storyline. That would have been a very interesting thing to observe, but that's not what we get. We get him just straight up lying to her face yeah. for no reason, no discernible reason as far as I can tell. And it's such a bummer because it kind of left this tarnish on an otherwise great two-part season finale. Like this season finale was so fun. It was so enjoyable. You had Emma and Hook having the time with their lives. We got to revisit great moments from, um, you know, seasons past. Kind of does help pave that way forward into the full-on camp that we end up getting in the future. And so to like, also like a lot of people really wanted to see Belle and Rumple get married. At the time, I was one of them. And so to just, to tarnish it with that, it made their whole wedding scene feel very gross and I like wasn't even listening to their vows. I'm just like, this doesn't mean shit. And also, why are you why are your vow talking about a book and a cup? Other than the fact that those are your only personality characteristics the show has uh, has deigned for you. I like, and you know me, I love Chip. I love Chip so much. But again, it, it's tarnished by the fact that Belle is then only loving him because in spite of him being the dark one. What have you seen otherwise? <laughs> this is the part that just baffles me the most. What do you see other than him being the dark one? Do you just believe that he can stop because you've never seen anything other than him like catching you one time you fell down? Like that is the most toxic relationship ever and we never acknowledge it. Ever. Nope. Uh uh anyway. Happily ever after. Well, uh, looking forward yeah. to season 4. We end on a teaser where Elsa has arrived in Storybrooke. So, what are you excited about? What are you curious about? And what are you dreading? So, I'm dreading... I'll start with what I'm dreading. I'm just dreading the fact that I remember how one-to-one -one they cast everybody. And the fact that it's it's to the detriment of the performance. Whether the storyline holds up or not, it, it falls apart with the fact that they cast for looks over skill. Like, I'm not saying that they're not skilled. I don't want to make it sound like that. But I think that they, they, they were looking for someone that looked like a person and then went, okay, we're going to take you and then we'll figure it out from there. And I don't think that that was the right way to go. I think you could... I, I, that I, That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to, like, make anything bad about the actress or anything i'm just i just think that that's how they went i am i i forget how the snow queen plays into this i forget where she comes from uh i remember like her past and stuff and how it ties into the story and stuff but i just forget where she comes from in general um let's see what am i what am i excited about um, I'm excited to watch you, I'm excited to watch Beth's brain absolutely <laughs> collapse and then melt out of her ears as she witnesses the slow boil of a war crime taking place by an otherwise beloved character. Wait, what? I'm talking about the Marion, the Maid Marion storyline. Oh my god. I'm excited to watch, I'm just excited to watch oh just- god. 
because I'll say this, it's a it's a bad storyline. It's terrible. It should have been absolutely overanalyzed and not done at all at the time. Because again, this is 2014 going into like 2015, 2016. We knew better. This is not the time of yesteryear in which we didn't know better about storylines that are coming up. Won't spoil anything. Just going to listen to Beth groan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now getting to revisit it in the year... In the year of our Snow Queen of 2022, just how... Because, again, you and I, we love we love Zelina as a character so much. She makes it to season seven. Spoiler, she makes it to season seven as a spin... As a cycling coach. Indoor cycling coach. Amazing. Uh, actual war crime happens. And a felony. Uh, 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 into the Hague. Straight. Straight to the torture devices. An unforgivable crime happens in this season. And just the the crater that that's going to leave on both of our brains. I don't know if I remember exactly what you're talking about. Um, because, I mean, what she does is pretty unforgivable. What she does, I remember, is pretty damn unforgivable. But I don't remember it being quite a full-on war crime. So I might be surprised at what happens? Maybe I'm misremembering it too. I hope I hope maybe I'm misremembering it being like a lot bigger than it was, but I'm remembering that I, I for whatever reason in my brain the way that it plays out somehow makes it worse. Like it's bad on paper, but then the way that they describe it makes it so much worse. Well, we've got a lot to talk about in the coming well, weeks. Well, no, hold on, hold on. Oh, what are what? you excited about? Oh. What are you dreading? What are you, mm. you, okay, you always okay. pose these questions to me and then just like carry on. I, throwing it back, <laughs> turning it around. That's You're not I getting do. out of this one, Elderkin. That's how Go. I do. That's how I do. Okay. So I, I'm excited for the Snow Queen, uh, mainly because I really like Elizabeth Mitchell. Um, she's a great actress and I really enjoy her. Um, and it was great to see her in the show. Um, so I'm excited for her. Um, I'm interested in, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to go into both seasons. I'm interested in seeing the dynamic of the three, the three, uh, villains once they come into the picture in the second half. Um, because I really remember really loving, uh, Cruella DeVille, um, and the, the actress's performance of her. And I, I just want to see if they can shine through the Rumpel shadow because a lot of that centers around Rumpel. So I want to like I'm I'm curious to like give them their time in the sun, Maleficent, Ursula, and Cruella, and see what it works for. Because I've seen a couple behind the scenes things with those actresses, and they looked like they were having a really fun time and that they had a great rapport with each other. So I'm interest curious to see that. I am dreading the Maid Marian stuff. A lot. And I am very much dreading how the, the the Frozen performances. Because I feel like out of all the seasons we got, this one was the really the most egregious one. It, like, just copy-paste. Just do what the kids like. I'm sorry. I completely skipped something. What's that? You know what I'm excited about? Hmm? I'm excited about a boss babe with her sheep. And her mafia ties. A woman who pulled herself up by the bootstraps and is now the queen of her own empire. The one, the only, Bo Peep. We get there. We get there. We finally made it. We finally made it. 
And I'm also going to tag on one more on that. You know, I'm excited about uh, a certain actor from a certain spinoff joins the cast in season four. Will Scarlet from Once Upon a Time in Wonderland becomes a character in season four after the show had been canceled. I and I'm excited to see him, especially him and Hook. I remember him and Hook doing stuff. And I just, that's a fun oh, dynamic. Oh, he's such a cutie. Yay, he cute is. boys. I'm always a fan for cute boys. We are always a fan of cute boys. So everybody, we are going to be continuing with season four. We have so much journey ahead of us. But we are almost halfway through. We've been visiting this series, which is bananas to me. I it doesn't make sense. No, it does not. It doesn't make sense. It's been a. It's, it's been unfair. A, it's it's a unkind. It's it's unforgivable. Uh, we do want to, of course, thank our wonderful patrons for your amazing love and support over the past three seasons and counting. Our uh, Snow Queen level patron shout out of the week goes to Emily. Thank you so much, Emily, for your support. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash OUA timing. We just put up a new bonus episode for our Hello Dearies and our Snow Queens where we talk in depth about what we would like to see from a Once Upon a Time reboot or reprise if they decided to bring the show back. Um, because there's always rumors anything can happen uh and with streaming services anything can really happen and people love the nostalgia they just had the rescue rangers weird ass trailer come out anything's possible in this world they can, they'll, they're gonna bring back anything as long as they can find out that they can make five bucks and i say that but i watch all this shit like it's just like it's like can't believe they're making it. I'm watching it, but I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, and I'm just very excited that it is officially starting next week when we uh when we when we call out our snow queens. We've made it. We've yes. made it to the snow queens. <laughs> and of course, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join the Facebook group at facebook.com/group/oua-timing. You can find us on Twitter. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we're going to be back next week with season one. Season four. Episode oh, one. Season one. I know. We're, we're going, going back. back. We're, we're doing it all back again. in time. Oh, season four. Episode one. A Tale of Two Sisters. Written by the showrunners themselves. So you know it's going to be good. We're going in strong. Going in strong. Going I can't hot. wait. I want to hear... The German titles for next week. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm my so God. excited. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.